Welcome to the Super Expander Podcast. My name is Corrine Phelps, your host. I'm a business and growth coach, money mindset expert, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. My journey has taken me all over from working in finance to owning a boutique fitness studio. I found myself burnt out, miserable, and questioning everything. Saying things to myself like, there's got to be more to life than this. Refusing to settle for a mediocre existence, I went all in, learning how to harness untapped potential and rewire the subconscious mind to create an extraordinary life. The last 10 years have been a crash course in self-love, building a business, creating community, building wealth, and doing what it takes to just freaking go for it. My mission is to help you align to your purpose, Rewire your subconscious to support your big dreams and vision and create a life that you're absolutely obsessed with. So sit back, tune in, and prepare to expand. Jen Drummond is a mom of seven and a relative newcomer to the mountaineer scene. After surviving what should have been a fatal car crash in 2018, she decided it was time to stop living on autopilot and instead live her life with purpose and intention. Facing her own mortality emboldened her to make the absolute most of every moment, starting with the highest point on earth. It all began within a moment of homework-induced frustration when one of her sons challenged her can-do motto of we can do hard things by asking, then why haven't you climbed Mount Everest yet? So now, just two short years later, Jen has conquered Everest and five other peaks on her way to become the first female ever to complete the seven second summits. Wow. I am inspired and the interview hasn't even begun. Hello and welcome back, Super Expanders. I am so excited to have today's guest with me here today. She is truly a, an amazing woman and she's going to share her story with you. So I'd love to introduce you to Jen Drummond. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so excited. So a little bit of context. Uh, Jen and I were connected through a mutual friend, a mutual connection, James Patrick, who was a longtime mentor and coach of mine. And and he connected us. He was like, you have got to talk to De- to Jen. She's She's got this amazing story. She's doing really amazing things in the world. I was like, all right, of course, let's do this. So because we just dive in and go really, really deep here, Jen, tell me who you are deep down as a person. Deep down, I'm a seeker. Like I love to explore and experience and learn. So I feel the core of me is always wanting to embody the experience, not just read about it, not just study it or hear about it from somebody else, but go on adventure and know what it feels like. Mm, so good. That's seeker. I think, you know, I think we all are seekers, right? But some of us don't actually, they're not really fully aware that that seeker is, is inside. So how did, how did you come to connect with that portion of yourself knowing so deeply that that seeker part of you was, I don't know, that was the, that needed to come out. Yeah. You know, I think if you look at your life and you kind of say, okay, I want to do this thing, right? So I wanted to grow a business. So I got into business and started growing a business and I, it was fun. It was entertaining. It was hard. It was all the things. 
And once I kind of got to this point where it was established, I'm like, oh, this isn't my sweet spot. My sweet spot is the messy, the un, like undeveloped, the the part that needs to still be pursued. Um, and so I had the business growing. It was doing well. I stepped aside and started doing the mom role, which is super fun, rewarding and challenging in itself. And then my kids kind of got to an age where the role of parenting changes, right? The need of a newborn compared to a need of a 10-year-old is drastically different. And I got into a car accident. So that's probably a key point in the story. When I got into that car accident that should have taken my life and didn't, um, it allowed me to say, hey, I could die at any time. What do I want to do? I'm alive because who knows when I could leave and I'm grateful I didn't leave already. So it kind of gave me this sense of urgency of like, what are all the things that I want to do? So my bucket list got to be a bucket book and I was like, okay, where can I start? What should I start doing? And I decided that for my 40th birthday, I'd climb a mountain which was called Ama de Blom, located in Nepal. And I'm training for this mountain and COVID hits, right? And I've been talking to my kids about we do hard things and that's where joy from life comes and blah, 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 blah. My son's struggling with his math homework and he says, like, buddy, you got this. It's like, if we do hard things, then why aren't you climbing Mount Everest? I'm like, you know what? You do your math, we'll look at Mount Everest. So then I started to look at Mount Everest and it pulled me. It said, like, it just was one of those things. I'm like, yeah, I want to know. I want to know what it feels like to be at the top of the world or to set a goal as big as Everest and make it come to fruition. And that kind of set me on this next path that I'm on, which is trying to be the first female to climb the seven second summits, which are the second highest point on each continent. Um, they're harder than the first seven and they haven't been done by a woman yet. So I figured I would be a good one for that. And it's been fun because I have children at home that are watching and they're seeing what it's like to have a huge goal, what setbacks feel like, what training looks like when you don't want to do something and you have to do something because the bigger goal is more important than the moment right now and all those little things. So we're doing life in parallel pretty well at the moment. Oh my goodness. Okay. So you're, you're on this, you're going to be the first woman that does all of this. How far, how many more do you have to climb to get there? How far off are we off? I have one left. One left. Oh my, okay. So when, when is this happening? Cause I know everyone's going to want to follow along. And... Please. It's so fun. Um, so my one mountain left is called named Mount Logan. It's located in Canada. Um, so it's the second highest peak in North America. Denali or Mount McKinley is the first. Um, I was actually there last year. So we were about two days from a summit and weather was too extreme for us to continue. So we had to abort the expedition and we're going back for a second time this year, um, which second time's a charm. So it's come, we're leaving May 15th and I'm super excited. Um, if you decide to follow along on the journey, I do have a device that allows me to give updates every day. So it's kind of fun because people follow along and hear like what we're doing or where we're at or how it's coming along. And it's been interactive. It's been cool. Oh my gosh. How exciting. Okay. So how do you train on a daily basis for something like this? Like how do you prepare yourself to be able to do what you do? Yeah. So I'd say it's as much mental training as it is physical training, to be honest. Um, so I do the things like the, the cold showers 
and the ice baths and I do training exhausted because on the mountain, I can be exhausted. So sometimes I'll get up in the middle of the night and then go start hiking outside with headlamps because that's what could happen on the mountains where we are. We always have to be prepared and ready to go and get that last little bit of fuel out of our system. Um, but when things are not like the stress training and I'm just doing the traditional training, then one day a week I'll do legs, one day a week I'll do upper body, and then three to four days a week I'll do endurance or mimic the training that I'm there doing. So Mont Logan skiing. So we put skins on the bottom of our skis, which is kind of like a felt sticker that allows you to go uphill on skis. And then when we set up a camp, we might have to go back and get gear from the previous camp so we can peel off those felt skins and then ski down to the last camp, grab our stuff and go back up again. Oh my goodness. So you actually kind of have to do it twice. Is that what you're telling me? Oh yeah. It's great. You have, you do it almost more than twice because we'll get dropped off by a helicopter onto the glacier. And then that helicopter leaves and we'll probably be the only people on this mountain for the entire duration of our expedition. So there's seven of us that will go together. We'll set up camp. And then the next day we'll wake up, we'll carry our gear, maybe three to four miles. It doesn't sound like that long, but what happens is it's like, we don't know what the ground is like underneath us. So every step we take, we have to test. So we'll use a ski pole and we'll poke to the left of us. We'll poke to the center and then we'll poke to the right. And if we get feedback, that means that that next step is strong enough to hold our weight. So then we'll take one step forward. We'll go left, center, right, one step forward, left, center, right, one step forward. And then we'll put a bamboo stick about every 10 to 15 feet. So we know that's proven ground that we can continue on our expedition with. So then we'll pack, we'll move some of our gear up. We'll store it there. We'll ski back, sleep in our tents that night. The next morning, pack up our tents, pack up all of our gear, typically go past the point where we, we buried stuff because that goes a little bit faster since we know the path is safe. And then we'll start poking to go another three to four miles, set up camp, sleep. Next day we'll wake up, we'll go get our gear, bring it up to us, sleep. And you just kind of inchworm up the mountain. It's, it takes a while. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This like brings new meaning to really loving the process. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. If you're doing it for the destination, you're on the summit for maybe 10 minutes, right? And then you're back making your way home. So you better enjoy the moments and the days and all the things in between, because it's a lot of struggle for 10 minutes. Wow. Okay. So seven of you on this glacier, what happens if there's an emergency? Well, hopefully we bring some stuff to handle anything within our realm. And then we call Parks Canada, which is going to be managing the trip where we get the permits to climb from. And they would send a helicopter out to get us if weather permitted. Now, mind you, there's no runways or anything, right? So they have to be able to see a shadow. They have to be able to land the aircraft and then pick us up and still be able to take off again and not have the storm be too extreme. Yeah. So this is uh, a lot of risk, right? Is this it is, I mean, it is, but there's been riskier mountains that are done, right? K2 is done. K2 is pretty notorious for being a deadly mountain. So I'm feeling good about Logan. Um, we have a strong team. We've done it before. So now we at least know a little bit where we're going or where to set camps up or where we're in trouble. 
And, you know, it's the beauty of doing something a second time. You have knowledge from the first time to make the second one easier. Absolutely. Wow. So brave. Okay. So in your team of seven, how many other women are there? I am the only female on this team. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> okay. So your your kids kind of challenged you on this, which we, I, first of all, we have to reverse because everyone needs to know that this is like a big training that you have to do to do all of this, right? It's a lot of time invested just on the daily to make, to be able to do this kind of thing. And you are a mother of how many children? Yeah. So I'm a mother of seven, right? So, yeah. Yes. Can, you guys should, can you say that one more time? <laughs> yeah. Right. Mother of seven, survivor of seven, <laughs> corraller of seven, right? Like wow. herder of seven. Yeah. So I can't even wrap my head around this because I just have one. So tell me, what is it like actually having seven? You know, I'm lucky because they're close in age. Right. So my oldest is 16 and the youngest are 10. They're twin, your twin 10 year olds. So they're all into the same thing. And no one can get away with anything because everybody calls everybody out. Like if you had two, maybe one would cover for the other. When you have seven, there's not, no one's covering for everybody. Right. They haven't figured out how to negotiate that and beat mom, which is awesome. So yeah, it all works. They kind of keep each other checked. And we do a lot of, I have five boys and twin girls. So we do a lot of activities that burn energy because we have a lot of energy in this household. So yeah, it's fun. Wow. I just can't even, I'm just tired thinking about it. <laughs> so that was already just training ground to be doing what you do is raising seven, seven children. Okay. So and your children were basically the, they, they sparked this in, in you. They kind of challenged you, which is kind of the coolest thing. So how do they feel about this whole journey now that it was, it's became more than just one mountain. It became many mountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've been so lucky with the community that I'm involved in. I live in Park City, Utah, which is a big mountaineering community. When I went to go climb Everest, which was the initial challenge from my son, the school got involved. So we set up, what's your Everest goal for all the kids in the different classrooms. Um, I went into the classrooms and talked about goal setting. I went to Everest. I was able to Zoom call from base camp and answer questions from the kids. So then everybody was kind of tracking the adventure and they would ask my kids like, how's your mom or your mom's at camp too? Or, you know, they would all talk about it. So when I came home, um, it was a big deal. And the kids felt super supported by everybody the entire time I was gone. And so then when the seven second summit quest kind of came up, they were like, yeah, go mom, do it. This will be awesome. And it's been awesome just to watch them watch me. And when I came back from Everest, my daughter's like, she had friends over and she told her friends, yeah, I'm going to climb up someday too. And I'm like, yes, you are. If you want to, you guys can do whatever you want. So oh, it's pretty cute. I love that. That's so good. Okay. So in the midst of all this, I'm, I'm thinking, first of all, I'm inspired by the fact that the school got involved and how like the ripple effect that happened there with that. That's so cool. But so I'd imagine your training for these this, these summits, these big things, these big goals, plus you're raising kids. There's got to be moments where you kind of just want to toss in the towel and, and give up because you're, while you are, it seems to me, you are superhuman, you are still on this earth. So 
<laughs> How do you navigate that? What, what's your secret? What's your process? Um, I try to language it, right? I try to sit down and just say, Hey, I'm not feeling it today, or I'm frustrated today, or this is scary. Like I had no idea I was afraid of heights until I started this quest because I've been, you know, in skyscrapers had no problem or been on chairlifts and didn't think of it. And then you put me on a wall to climb where I'm with a rope and stuck to the side of it. And I got panicked and white and sick and almost threw up. And I said, Oh my God, what did I sign up for? I can't even go 10 feet off the ground without freaking out. And so I had come back down from that experience. And then I went, my coach is like, okay, we're going to go up just one handhold higher, come back down, go up one handhold higher and come back down and being able to language it, especially with the kids and just talking about it has allowed me to shrink it and define it and say, okay, it's not this huge thing that's overpowering and whatever. It's this one little emotion that's screaming or saying something. I've got plenty of others to work against it and then just keep going. So it happens, but I know that happens for me to find a way to solve it, not for me to run away from it. Oh, so it's all in perspective and the way that you view it. <laughs> Shocking news, right? Yeah, Shocking right. that perspective card got us again. <laughs> it did, right? I mean, it's always that way, right? Because it's like a, it, you can choose this. There's always many ways you can see something from, whether it's the mountain, you can see that you're from the bottom or that you're climbing to the top or that it's this huge impossible thing or this thing you get to do. I mean, there's like so many different ways you can, you can start to reframe and see things from a new lens and it completely changes the energy and feeling you have around it. Um, so what do you do for fun? Well, I it sounds like, like I mean, I, you have to like it. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know it sounds crazy, especially to all like the people that listen that live on beaches that avoid snow at all costs. Um, I like skiing. Uh, I like climbing. I like nature, like being in spaces that are wide open and make me feel small. Um, I like meeting people from different countries and different cultures and just learning different ways to do things. Right. I, I mean, when I was climbing one time, I came back. And it had just been Halloween and we were getting into Thanksgiving and I have a fantastic mom. That's an interior designer. So I have pillows for every holiday you've ever imagined. Mm -hmm. And then some that maybe aren't holidays. I don't know. They're just here. And we decorate for everything because she's magic and that's what she likes to do. But you come from some of these environments that have nothing, right? They, they don't celebrate, but they still, they celebrate with meal and time with each other. They don't celebrate with consumerism. So you come back to the United States and you're like, oh my God, we are not buying bins for pillows because we're not buying pillows anymore. Like this is obnoxious, <laughs> right? And so it's nothing like a break from your own routine or your own normal for you to come back and be like, is this really how I want to live my life? Or is this really what I'm looking for out of life? Or is this the story that I want everybody to remember? or myself to remember. And I think these opportunities just keep refreshing and keep allowing me to be authentic and real and say, oh, this is working, this isn't, let's keep shaving off and leaning in. I have a question for you. Have you joined the Super Expander free mentorship community? If not, what are you waiting for? Stop what you're doing right now and text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. 
text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. I send out weekly tips and inspiration to help you grow your business, to step into your wealthiest, most highest self, to harness your full potential and live an exceptional and extraordinary life. And the best part is it's really me sending those messages. So text me, say hello, and send me your questions. Okay. So I imagine after you conquer this, this next mountain and you become the first woman to do, to do this, I feel like there's gotta be a book in the horizon. Uh, I mean, am I, Am I feeling You're this right. one out right? <laughs> You're feeling this out right. So yeah, I'm working on a couple of things, which are pretty exciting. Um, one, we're working on a documentary. So Outside TV did a small documentary that was like 11 minute clip that was very well received. I've been filming all the expeditions um, because I wanted my grandkids to know that I was a hustler at one point. So I have a whole bunch of footage. So we're turning that into a documentary that we hope to release in the next year. And then working on a book to help people conquer their own mountains and find ways through things of struggle and obstacles. Oh, I cannot wait. This is so, so exciting. I'm going to be watching as you, as you climb. So when, when is that again? Remind me what's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the last we hope fingers and toes are all crossed right now. The last climb I will depart to the U S on May 15th. Um, we're hoping it will take us about three weeks. We're giving ourselves six weeks, which is like basically the entire climbing window. So that if we get pulled off the glacier due to weather or different things, we can regroup and maybe go back out there and try to give it one more shot before the season's over. Wow. I didn't even fathom that. I was thinking it was maybe like a few days that it would take to do something like this. Well, it could take up to six weeks. Get out of here. Oh my gosh. That's bonkers bananas. Okay. So now I have some other questions. No, it's like going to take three weeks this whole time during three weeks. How do you shower? Like, how do you clean this? This is of course, I'm like, hold on. I'm like looking at this beautiful blonde hair of yours. I'm like, how, how does this work? Yeah, I know. Right. I was the girl that had the hairdryer in Mount Everest, just to let you know, like I'm claiming that right now. And when we're at Mount Logan, I don't get a hairdryer. So I get special body wipes that are supposed to be non-sticky and make you feel clean. And you just create, like you dream of showers, right? Like <laughs> the smallest things become magic because there's no, it's a, it's an Alpine environment. We're on a glacier. There's no flowers. There's no trees. There's no green. There's no color. There's like, there's, you come back into society and everything is just it's fascinating. It takes a few days to get adjusted again because you can oh smell gosh. things. I think you have like those float takes. I'm like, it's just like almost like sensory deprivation in a almost way, right? I mean, not fully, but in a, in a way. Wow. Yeah. 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 No, it's real. Okay. So your shower after this is literally going to be like a biblical experience. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rebirth, 100%. Yeah, it's going to be like religious, right? It's going to be yes. like a whole entire yes. spiritual experience when you step into that shower. There's oh. nothing like water just hitting to the crest of your hairline and just running down your body. I mean, it's like the smallest things just become so magical again. It's fascinating. 
I mean, I feel like the closest thing I can even compare to that is that we had the power go out here. It had, it was a in Washington, D.C., and we had something come through, I don't know, like 10 years ago called the derecho. And it was a storm that was like insane. It came out of nowhere and it knocked everyone's power out. And we had no power in my house for an entire week. And I'm on well water. So it meant that there's no water. And so I think it was like some, I don't know, somebody must've gotten power back when I could, or like I could take a shower somewhere, but it was like four days and I was literally losing my mind. So, oh my gosh, I'm just thinking three weeks, six weeks. Whew. Yes. It's a lesson of focusing on what you can control and letting go what you cannot. <laughs> yeah. So at what point now I'm like, okay, so in that whole process, I, I think you, there must be like a tipping point, right? Up for a certain point. And then after that, it's just kind of like, you don't even care anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. At one point it is like, and we're past that now. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. All right. That is interesting. So there's seven of you climbing and do you guys have also help though? Like do you have a team that's, it's just the seven of you and that's it. So you guys got to, you got to schlep all your own stuff. Everything. Yes. All the food, all the gas burners, all the tents, sleeping bags, everything. So the packs on our backs, mine will probably be around 30 to 40 pounds. And then you pull a sled with the remaining gear that you share, like pots and pans, all the things, the shovels, we bring saws so that we can cut out snow blocks and make igloos to put around the tents, protect from wind. I mean, I feel like a kidney gardener some days out there building snow forts <laughs> so that we oh can my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I, all the things you can't even possibly, you, I mean, you have to think of everything, but it's like, I, I'm like, wow, wouldn't have even thought of that. Oh my goodness. This is, this is wild. Okay. So all there's just such a wealth of, of juicy nuggets all throughout all the things that you've said so far, but if you could give someone a tip, like one like sort of parting words of wisdom when they're, when they're in a moment of feeling just like they want to quit, they want to give up. What, what's just one juicy nugget you could share with them and how to move through that. I use my kids for these moments because I know they're watching and I know that they're always watching. And so when I'm in a really hard spot, I think about what I want them to continue would it, would I want, what do I want them to feel? What do I want them to see? What do I want them to understand? And there's times where I'll go through an hour and I'll just do a gratitude list and think I'll remember stories about my son, Jack, and I'll send good vibes to Jack and I'll tell him like things, even though we're not physically next to each other. And then when I kind of run out of stuff, I'll go to Joe and I'll just keep going down the line and I'll keep cycling through. And I feel there's always more. Like there's always more available to us. Our brains are there to protect us. They cut us short. And sometimes you just have to remind yourself of that and then dig deep and think of who you're doing it for and why, and then recharge that battery and keep going. Wow. So I, you know, that just made me think of, I once heard that when you're swimming in the water and, or you're like, you're trying to hold your breath, right? And you like, let's just say you dive down deep. And that moment when we start to be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I need to get back up and I need to get air right now that we still have, you're only like at 40% of your capacity. There's still 60% more to go. And I feel like that's 
like applies to all things, right? Like when, whenever it is that you want to quit, whether, whatever it happens to be, that you literally are only at about 40% of your own personal capacity, which is mind blowing because a lot of time, wherever you are in this moment, you've already done so, so much. And then to imagine that there's still 60% more to dig down deep. And I think even when we get down to the bottom of that 60%, we're kind of like the, the big SUVs that have that reserve tank of gas that we don't even know is there. Yeah, no, I do. And it's funny because you can be in this hard moment. If you can get through it and just keep going, all of a sudden you're an hour from that moment or your day or you're a week or you're a month and you realize, oh, I'm so glad I didn't stop. And that's one of the magic things about a summit. It's, it's not the summit. It's what the summit symbolizes. It symbolizes mm-hmm. like all the times you wanted to quit and turn around and say no and never mind. You didn't, you stuck with it. You still said yes. And you still made it happen. And so that's why I'm a huge component of goal setting and setting like just ideas where you can say, okay, I arrived. And it gives you a point to look back and be like, look at all the things I overcame, be it on the mountain in our personal life or wherever. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love all of this because one of the things I consistently say is that we are on a journey. We're climbing a mountain that actually has no top. We get these momentary places where we think that we've hit the summit. We get to breathe for a moment. And then you look up and you're like, oh, the next level is revealed. I got, I get to keep going. And it truly is this journey of growth and evolution over our lifetime. And that when we stop thinking that we're ever going to get to the end until it is truly our end and it is time for us to to leave this leave this earth that you know that's you get to get you get to keep going you get to keep climbing keep climbing my friends it's worth absolutely it. so good I appreciate you so much this has been the best conversation I um have this like whole new appreciation for for climbing I've never even thought I like about climbing a mountain I'm like hmm so, hmm. so you might have planted some seeds for me. <laughs> I like it. Anytime you want to go, I'll take you. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, I might have to hold you to that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. I appreciate you. We will catch you on the net. Oh, hold on. I'm about to, to cut this off. And I said, I was about to, we have to know where, how can they follow you? How can they find you? How can they oh, follow yeah, this journey? Yeah. So go to the website. Cause that will kind of lead you to everywhere. And that's Jen Drummond.com J E N N D R U M M O N D.com. Amazing. That will be in the show notes. And what about, can they, do you have a social media handle? Can they follow you somewhere else? Yeah. So right now social media handle is breakproof.gen. Um, that's on Instagram. And then we are in TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, all like the things. Amazing. Everything will be in the show notes. You guys go follow this journey. It's going to be like, I, I can't wait to celebrate you. I got so caught up in the dreaming about my own mountain. I almost, I almost forgot to ask how they could follow your journey. Huh. <laughs> we will catch you on the next episode. If you like what you heard, stop, drop, and leave a five-star review and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. As always, the best way that you can thank our amazing guests is to share your biggest takeaway and then tag us on social media.